Welcome back to the original box set Shadowrun podcast. Sunny has left Karsten Lund and Trollface in the capable hands of Dr. Feelgood, the uncanny, cybered-out street doc. With the medical emergencies out of the way, Sunny needs to find out what's on that data chip, and if it really is what Lund describes. Evidence that Corpse are the puppet masters of the Enclave. That's a dangerous accusation even if he's wrong, and if he's right, it could be deadly if the wrong person finds out. Our GM is Max, and Sunny Day is played by Cassie. We hope you enjoy listening. Let ashes you down into it, you know, his cold mechanical hands laying <laughs> his, his you out. His cold mechanical bedside manner. And he sits there and says, Nighty night, as he slowly pushes the door clo- drawer closed. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so fucked up right now. Like, I'm, she, uh, she did not go light on the Xanax. She knew exactly what she was doing. She needed to pass out, and it didn't work. But now, hopefully, you know, she's so far out of it at this point that the exhaustion will overcome the fear of whatever he's doing we can say at least a good eight or nine hours will pass so we're talking like it's the next into the next day when you're finally waking up you're realizing you're in a coffin yeah yeah so uh waking up all i see is just black and it takes me longer than it normally should to remember where the hell I am and what I was doing. And, God, did I really take two Zanny bars? Oh, my God, what was I thinking? And then, find, like, reaching around uh, in the coffin <laughs> to find that lover that I think that he said was somewhere in here. So, she, so yeah, she's probably making noise, trying to figure out where to get out, and eventually she'll find the right release and... Being able to slide herself out. Yeah. You get out. The room is still as dark and miserable as this operating room has ever been. There are plenty of lights shining down on Lund and uh, Terrence at this time. Terrence is, looks like he's awake and Lund doesn't. The good doctor is working on Lund and the assistant is there as well. And Terrence sits up and he's looking across the room. There's a television that same old black and white tv is in front of him yeah yeah ivs and everything he looks like he is in in a respectable hospital bed scenario with the curtains and everything but then surrounded by this dank industrial looking subway place filled with trash so it's a very surreal mentality to be looking at for and he's you can see he's not really Maybe he's in it. Maybe he's with it or not. You're not sure. Okay. Well, they are... Is uh, Feelgood and the assistant, are they currently working on Lund? Or, yes. Okay. Then she's not going... He's face down. They've got his back open. What are you working on now? The doctor looks over to you. The, the, the small doctor looks over to you and kind of like makes this gurgly sound. What did he say? Dr. Feelgood goes, good, he said good morning, or, oh. well, good afternoon, good evening, good night. What the... I don't know. I don't... Yeah, she she was about she was about to pull out her comm to check the time, and then she realized she turned it off, and she realized why she turned it off, and so she's not going to turn it back on to check the time. It's like, you, you can just say good day, maybe. He, the, he nods, that's, that's very... I like that. 
It's strange how we always say good morning, good evening, and stuff like that. It's like we're trying to remind the person we're saying hello to what time of day it is. I mean, couldn't we get a bit more precise and walk around and say, Hello, 8.03 a.m. Would that work? Could we do... And at the same time, his hands are still doing stuff. You see that his secondary set of hands have strangely split from being just tiny little hands to being a collection of little tentacles. And you can see that they're doing multiple tasks as his large hands are doing other things. And he's watching you having this conversation. Yeah. It is the craziest conglomeration. You've never seen anything like this. It's like he's got dozens of tiny little fingers working in his back. Now that I am awake, I am going to do a composure because I might just decide to go back in the coffin at this point. Let me say two or three. We'll say three. It's pretty heavy stuff. Yeah. I see three right from here. Uh, I got it. Yeah, I think we're good. Her revulsion is um, pushed back by her curiosity of how he's doing this operation. Uh, I mean, she's seen, you know, she's seen people operated on in the past, but it's not something that she sees at she doesn't see that on a regular basis. And to see something like this is is pretty amazing to watch. So, uh, with morbid, almost morbid curiosity. Yeah. Kind of like how I was watching your surgery. Yes. So you can see that there's a damaged piece of cyberware laying off to one side. And you can also see that on another nearby table, there's another body. It's not lit. It definitely looks like it's been chopped to pieces and stuff like that. And you see the doctor is currently laying out bits of wire and whatnot in Lund's body and making attachments. And the device in question that you see he's implanting looks like similar to the device that looks crushed up onto the desk sitting nearby. As you approach, the doctor just seems to know exactly what your questions are. This is a small wired complex that's used to actually relay data for when it comes to wired reflexes. You ever heard of these? Uh, yes. This one was not very well protected, and whoever assaulted him knew exactly where to punch. But we're going to fix that by putting in one that is made out of more composite materials and has a more human signature. That way this won't ever happen to him again. But we're also repairing the cyberware in question, and you see these... The hands are split apart into smaller fingers, and the fingers themselves are split apart. And so each finger is taking and moving bits of muscle and tissue and rewiring. And it's amazing. It's like having 15 doctors at one time. Yeah. While the other one's standing nearby feeding pieces of material to him and, and assisting in small bits and ways. With his talons, he pulls back pieces. And you see they're wiring up the back slowly but surely. Fascinating. Yes. They fought, didn't they? The size of the impacts matched the hydraulic pumps on his legs. Those were badly damaged, too. I can't repair the hydraulics, but I have turned them off and made it so he can still use his legs. Okay. What were they fighting about? At this point, the doctor the, the doctor in the yellow coat will look at you. <laughs> he sits there and goes, I don't know. Maybe it was. Are these two lovers? Oh, for you? What? No. 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 It's not like that. Oh, darn. This would make such a better story if this was about love of a woman. She's, she's like, rubbing her head. You're like, no. It, she's going to point to Lund. He was a job that went wrong. And now he's, we have to fix it. You're saving a job that went wrong? 
Yeah. He raises his fleshy eyebrow raises, as well as the the smaller doctor's like It's complicated. And he goes back to what he was doing. The other doc the doctor feel good and goes, Well, I don't want to pry too much. It sounds much more delicate than what we were assuming. Some sort of love triangle novella going on, but this this is rather interesting in the long run. Maybe I can tell you about it sometime, but... He shrugs. Not right now. That's fine. You run in a dangerous business. I run in a dangerous business. We all do dangerous business. We're all about danger. And he raises his big hands up, like shaking around, while the little hands continue to work. Oh, goodness. Are you hungry? I know that most mortals still need to eat, where I and the good doctor here don't have to subside on food very often. I must keep reminding myself to feed people who are my guests. Yes, I, I am hungry. We have some Cheerios. That that works. Do you have a do you have a bathroom? He kind of looks down to the ground, looks over the other doctor. The other doctor. No. He says yes, but the bathroom's out there, and he points toward the big metal set of doors. Otherwise, there's um, pots we put under beds. I mean, if you really want to go brave them, they can be kind of testy. I haven't seen them in several hours. She's not. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, however crazy the the doctor is, like, she's pretty sure he's not actually a pervert. So he's very, like, focused on stuff. So, yeah, she doesn't, at this point, she doesn't care. She's got to pee, and she's not going to go pee out in front of all of those. Deranged individuals. Yeah. They are. They have problems. Yeah. So you have to cross by that body. There is definitely a body in the room, and you can see the section of back has been cut open. The same section of back that they are... Oh my god. So they took the a piece of cyberware out of one individual, and they're putting it to him. That guy looks dead. And the question is, was he dead, or did they make him so? You could always ask. I don't think I want to know the answer to that. You could also check yourself. You're a doctor. You know you've been in that drawer for several hours. That body wasn't there beforehand. So if you okay, you yeah. could do the analysis and determine how long he's been dead. Yeah. Just for myself, not because I... Well, for herself, not because... You want to be able to judge the doctor as a good or bad person. You know, just making sure that I know where I stand with him. I mean, he's willing to... If he's willing to murder somebody, to take their cyberware, to put it in somebody that I need alive, that's... I mean, in one way, that's, that's very... Uh, Fantastic. Fantastic, but in another way, that's very horrifying. It's so, scary as fuck, because yeah. what happens when you get on that list of just another body? Exactly. One, two, three successes. That body has got rigor mortis. Like, several days of... So it's, pa it's past rigor at yeah. this point. Okay, yeah. yeah. And it's been preserved in some way, shape, or form. Okay. All right, then I don't feel so bad. And you also remember some of those drawers that you went and crawled into. Some of them had occupied signs on them. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of this is going to be uh, hanging out. She's going to find the box of Cheerios and go over to uh, Terrence and, and see if he's lucid or if he's drugged up, you know? He's drugged up. Okay. So he smiles. Hey, Sonny. <laughs> How you feeling? Ah... He, uh, it hurts. He kind of slowly gestures to us. It hurts right here and in the back. 
I think something happened in the back. Yeah. How bad was it? Well, they had to send in a micro-bot to uh, sew up the lacerations on your liver and your kidneys. And wow, this guy's got a micro-bot? Yeah. I mean, I... Those things that's, are expensive. That's not what he... I don't remember what he called it, but essentially that's what it is. It's a it's a min, micro-medical assistant that you direct into. Never mind, it's not important. <laughs> it's easy to say. <laughs> Oh, this guy's got some class A stuff. You see the, uh, he, he, he can see Lund from here. He's like, hey, you see those cyber arms? Yeah. He's yeah. got an extra pair. He does. And that extra pair has extra hands and extra fingers. That's some expensive stuff. I think that it might be custom. Wow. He needs a new TV. All this expensive equipment, and he can't afford a good TV. <laughs> she's gonna, she's gonna lean in, and she's like, "I think that's his mother's TV." Oh, I ain't seen his mom yet. It's okay. I'm not with it right now. No, you should rest. Like, yeah, she's got her hand out down his arm, and just hold his hand for a little bit. You were right. About what? About coming here. I know. And she smiles. Like He smiles, too. Because he's out of it. He's a smiling <laughs> So, I guess uh, we're stuck here for a little bit. You want? She's going to hold the box out to him. He's like, you want some Cheerios? No, I can't eat. Okay. Everything tastes terrible right now. He even told me that the drugs they're going to put me on, everything's going to taste terrible. Have you had a chance to look at it? No. I can't even turn on my phone. Yeah. I don't even have a spare phone to turn on right now. <laughs> well, I'm not turning mine on, that's for sure. Do you want me to... Do you want to be there to see it, or do you want me to figure it out while you're here? I'm going to be here a while. Okay. I mean, Doc says I got some time before everything starts kicking in. But it's going to get really hot, and then we need, a lot of, need to eat a lot of food, and he said he's going to order some Chinese. Okay. So that's in a few hours. Well, I'll try to be back. He said he had to cut some stuff out that wasn't going to make it. Yeah, he um, the stuff around your kidneys and ah, your adrenal gland and ah, um, shit. and the the anti toxin filtration system. That was some expensive stuff. He said as much. Yes. I mean, you're still here, so. Yeah, I I didn't see Lund get that knife in my back. I didn't see it either. I'm going to go to my office. Okay. I'm going to see if... if I mean, if anybody can keep other people from finding out, it'll be Nancy. So... Yeah. Um, I don't think we should stay at the brownstone anymore. I think we should move. That should be the last move we make. Okay. I need your car. Okay. I need to go find Adrian. The keys should be in my pants pocket. So she's gonna go into his pants pocket, find his keys. She's like, I'm just gonna go pick up Adrian from school. I'm not gonna call ahead. Okay? Okay. Hey, if you need help with anything, Edgy is the only person I trust. I, I wouldn't even talk to Angie. Just Edgy. Okay. Do you know where to find him? No. 
In the glove box, there's an envelope with his name on it. It has his address on it. I thought I had for this moment in case something like this ever happened. <laughs> Just so I have a physical address. It's not to him. That's to his mom. She's a nice girl. Girl. Woman. Anyways. She can find him. If you need him. And... Okay. Yeah. Hey, you hang in there. I think I got a pretty damn good doctor. He's a little fucking crazy, though. Well, yeah. That goes without saying. Do you... But, I mean, the more... She, so she kind of, like, she laughs a, a little bit, like, the the very quiet, sensible chuckle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, but honestly, the more I come here, the less it bothers me. Didn't he put together one of your guys? Yeah, Odysseus. Go do stuff. All right. I'm going to... You stay here stay and here. watch TV. It's like reruns for black and whites. But they're new to you, right? You're right. <laughs> you smile. So. If you need to take any of my guns, please do so. Those people out there are kind of scary. Is there anything that I can actually use? Yeah. I mean, I guess I could just carry out the shotgun. That'll probably scare people away. But then I'm carrying a shotgun. There's a... In my wallet, there's a gun. What? In my wallet, there's a gun. Okay. Just get that out. Okay, so I'll find his wallet. Yeah, he's got a pretty thick, sizable wallet. When you unfold it, there is a thin, flat gun. It <laughs> looks like a toy. It's got no trigger card on it, so his fat fingers could actually pull the trigger on it. Looks like it's got a clip. Okay. Might fire like a 20. Yeah, or, like a 22. Or a 22. Just, to, just enough or, to scare people or off. Or 15. Oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> like, for emergencies? Emergencies. Okay. I try to be prepared as possible. <laughs> you try to be prepared as possible, and all you have is a tiny, rusty pocket knife. What? Your pocket knife. If you you have all these guns all over you, and not a single knife to be found. Kind of. You know that if he didn't have those blades, I probably wouldn't have been able to cut his throat open to do the intubation. I because. Well, I don't ever need a knife. But I thought you said you were going to be prepared for anything. Oh. Yeah. That's what you said. Your words, not mine. I guess. About this time, the doctor comes sliding in out of nowhere. Hello. The sensors show that your heart rate's picked up. Don't be harassing my patient now. And he sits there and he just walks over and begins looking at trophies, trophies. Uh, yeah, no, doc. She wasn't harassing me. He's like, your heart palpitations increased. I can sense distress. He sits there and both hands, both of his arms are doing the whole finger touchy thing, big ones and little ones. Besides, it's time to check your bandages and move you to one side and see how our tight little friends on the inside are doing. He starts rolling Terrence to one side. His physical strength is able to move the troll to one side without assistance. And you can see he's like, holy crap. <laughs> and so he props him up and then he looks over. If you're going to go, you can go now. He goes back down. And <laughs> like he's literally, he doesn't have to, but he like lowers himself. <laughs> in okay. a crazy cartoon-like fashion. All right. Well, I am going to let him do his good work and get out of his hair for a little while. He doesn't have that. I know. It's a figure of speech. Okay. Yeah. So you have this tiny little pistol. And are you going to take the shotgun anyways? Yeah. Okay. Because I'm not going to be able to actually use the shotgun, but at least people will this see it. This gun is small enough you could tuck it under a boob. 
Really? And you what? probably not be able to have it seen too well. Like right about or on top of a boob. You could oh, probably yeah? stick it right here on top of a boob in your bra. And no one would know you'd have a gun there. She's going to totally try that. And there's also yeah. shoulder pads. Because remember the designs are supposed to be off the 80s. Right. Because it's, it's, it's a little thicker than a, a several credit cards. Okay. So you could put it there under a shoulder pad. It's, it's a very concealable gun. Okay. It doesn't do any damage. No. But you got nine shots of... Go away from me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you do more damage with a can of mace, but anyways. That's fine. You take his keys. Take you his head keys. out. Yep. The throngs are there. As soon as you walk out, they start paying attention. Yeah. I um I know how to hold a shotgun. That doesn't mean I can really shoot it well without, you know, getting okay. knocked back on my ass. But I know how to hold one. Okay. So that's what I'm going to do. All right. They give you way. They understand and rep, rep they they honor the idea that you have a shotgun and you might use it. Okay. You know that, that this means something. And although they're junkies and they don't see you with any pills, so they definitely don't jump after you for that. Right. That's what they're desiring. Okay. You will uh get back up to Adrian's. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go there first. Yeah. Because she feels better about getting him out if we have to make a, a quick exit than having him, you know, come back to the house and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. So she's thinking of all of the ways that things can go even more wrong and trying to mitigate as much of that as possible. Okay. So you go pick up Adrian mm-hmm. and then you go into your office. Yeah. Okay. Are you going to go by to see if you can find Edgy and his mom or anything like that? Just to make sure you have an extra pair of arms with you? Or do you want to avoid involving anyone else? I mean, I don't think that I need need Edgy there. But I think that it might make sense to, I don't know, maybe have Adrian and Edgy get started on packing the house. Okay. What do you, does that sound? Yeah, it's fine, it's fine. So I'm going to go to Edgy's mom first okay, and ask her to um, send him by the brownstone if you see him. Sure. She'll definitely give him a call. Okay. And then go and By the way, she's a dwarf too. Oh, is she? Yeah. Awesome. It's a family of dwarves. That's so cute. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. And then I'll meet Adrian. So when you get back to the house, Adrian... When he sees you, he's like, what What happened to you guys? You didn't come home last night. Things did not go well. Where's Terrence? He's okay, but he's not in really good shape right now. Where's he at? With a friend. Okay. But he's going to get better, right? Yes. We're going to need to leave. Move to a new place again? Yeah. So you're going to need to get your stuff packed up. Start packing our stuff up. Will I still need to be able to do school? I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I want to say yes, but I can't say yes right now. Okay? Okay. We can talk about it later, but not right now. Okay. And, uh, Edgy's supposed to swing by here, so expect somebody to come and tell him that I would like him to help you get everything packed up. Okay? Does he know where we're going? No. Do you know where we're going? No. So we just need to get things packed up? Get packed up and get ready to go. He starts hugging you. <laughs> yeah, the hugging is a little surprising, I guess, but 
positive emotion is kind of hitting her in the feels right now because she's very uncertain about what is going to happen like six hours from now, you know? <laughs> so yeah, she's probably choking up a little bit and like sucking back the tears. Yeah. And so he's like, um, I'll take care of what I can and get as much packed up as possible. Okay, good. Good. He, first thing, of course, is dragging you guys' out-of-town bags by the front door, <laughs> you know, yeah. and going from there, so. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it doesn't have to be neat, it just has to be ready to go. Okay. Okay. Yep. If it's not edgy, don't open that door. I promise I won't. Do you have my office number? No. So I'm going to write down my office number, and, like, if you need to call me call that number my other one's off and it'll probably stay off and then i'll probably give him a hug again and man up and head to head to the office <laughs> okay yeah all right you arrive at the office yeah you um, take your car or terrence's at this point i feel like i can't i don't as much as i would like to trust terrence's car I don't, because there's all sorts of electronical stuff. Who knows who's got it tracked? You know, Angie. You know, going to the house, she'd be, you know, that would be normal. Going to my office there, probably not so much. And so I'm going to take my car. Hyper paranoia is engaged right now. Right. So I get in my office. I go through all the key codes. I unlock my way in there. Nancy does the rest. And then I, uh, yeah, so I go into my, through my small waiting room, the lights come on automatically, I put my palm up against the other, the next door, and it slides back from my biometrics, mm -hmm. and, uh, and then I go into my office office, and turn on my computer if it's not already turned on already so I can get in touch with Nancy. Okay. Yeah. Doesn't take her long before she sits there and says, Hello, Dr. Dalen. Nancy. You've I'm, been rather hard to reach. I've, I'm, I've run into, and it, things aren't looking good right now. I have, uh, I have a data chip that I need you to help me look through and see if we can validate if this information is accurate. Of course. I'll be more than happy to assist. Okay. So, uh, so sh I'm going to uh, insert the data stick into the computer and access the file and... Actually, she wants you to put it into one of the spare phones in the office. The spare phones? Okay. Yeah, yeah I'll put do... Put it into the spare phone, turn the spare phone on, and she'll take it from there. Okay. Because if there's something in there that will You're right. corrupt her, she doesn't want it to affect her Got it. Okay, so yeah, that sounds smart. Thanks, Nancy. And then she points out that there's security protocols involved and that she's going to need to take a moment to deactivate them. It looks like the protocols are designed as a password, that if the wrong password's put in three times, the data will all be erased. So give her a moment to open it. And okay. And then she says, okay, it's open. And I'm accessing the data files. I don't know exactly what is in there. I know that an accountant gathered it up and it's supposed to indicate 
monetary ties to several corporations. It does exactly that, Doctor. She has immediately come to terms with the fact that she is once again way over her head and needs an exit strategy. Stat. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I sit down in my comfy chair and, you know, that whole, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Leaning forward, elbows on my knees, hands like covering my face. Just trying to figure out where I go next. Okay. Do you know what this is, Nancy? Probability predicts that this is in relation to an app program that has been on Terrence's phone called The Enclave, a networking program designed to incorporate a large variety of individuals so as jobs of more discreet nature can be shuttled about to a larger populace of individuals who would do such said discreet jobs. That's a very accurate description, except they're not so discreet, apparently. Do you know what corporations are there? I have detected with this information and access to the Enclave app, which is on your phone, that I have seen. I apologize, Doctor. Once you downloaded the app, I wanted to make sure that it was safe. And I have checked out some of the information on it. At first glance, it seemed safe. I did make a copy of it and began running some, some tests on it to ensure that there was no backdoors or any other form of communication that went out. I found plenty. So many that I figured I made the assumption that the extra communication the program made was related to it. Now, with this information provided, I can see that your phone, as well as anyone else's phone who has the application, is in direct contact with three of the major AAA corporations, Evo, Neonet, and Solder Krupp Heavy Industries, have ties to this information. Oh my god. We might be in trouble. Might I suggest that we activate your phone in a secure location so as we can remove the application and all necessary programs that have been downloaded to allow for tracking purposes. Yeah. I would suggest either we clean your phone or get you a new one. Do, do I have... Do you think those other ones are usable? I can get the briefcase out. I don't know if that would work. The briefcase will do just fine for the purpose of making communications. Do you mean for wiping? Yeah. Yes, I can activate an agent program and put it into your phone. Okay. And then you can put it in the briefcase. It should only take about 20 minutes to completely return to factory settings. Okay, let's do that. Agent online, and I'm ready when you are. Okay, so I will turn the phone on and hold my breath <laughs> as it boots up. Okay, she says, the agent is online with the phone. Go ahead and put it into the briefcase before boot up is finished. Okay, so yep, done. Boom. Closed. Lock. Exhale. She says, it will be only a few moments. At this point, the agent is running several diagnostics, identifying what's trying to make communications out, copying down contact list information. Most likely, your whole contact list has been jeopardized. Okay. The agent will give me a full report once she is done. Thank you. When was the last time you backed up your data? Five hours ago. Okay. But it is all on-site. Do you need me to back up off-site? Yes. 
Yeah, definitely. Do you have a do you have a location where you can do that safely? I have three secure safe locations that I believe will be perfect for backing up my data. Okay. Just in case. I'll go ahead and start taking care of that now. I'll be offline for a short period of time, but I will be back. Okay. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. So you sit in the office. Nancy's gone. Yep. The briefcase is closed. The agent can't communicate with you. Your phone's not working. Nothing. For at least the next 20 minutes. I'm getting a drink out of my, my little office fridge. Okay. Well, actually, it would have been in one in my drawer because she doesn't put her scotch in the refrigerator. No, you don't. But she has her ice. And so, yeah, she's going to take her tumbler, put in the ice, pour the scotch pretty much a full glass at this point, and she's just going to enjoy it <laughs> and think a lot about the things that she has learned from her previous mistakes with getting in too deep and, and how best to extricate herself without having to involve more people because she doesn't want to have other people um, targeted, I guess is the best way to put it. Especially if they find out the what in, the information that she has. So, yeah. So at this point, if the Shadowrunners who are on the Enclave found out the Enclave is being manipulated by the corporations, they're probably just going to ditch it and run. Corporations are going to lose their tool. A lot of jobs, bad things but probably possibly happen. The corporations could get mad and come after you. Yeah. They could. That doesn't mean they will. But if you could have... If somewhere in there is evidence that shows the corporations are manipulating people to do criminal activity, that can be used to weigh against the corporations. But you have to be careful. Because if they're strong enough to make you disappear, then that's useless information. Mm-hmm. I mean, so far, the two people that have gotten that information are... I'm, a, you know, she's assuming at least one of them is going to get away because she's, uh, she's making the determination that she cannot have turning Lund over to the Enclave on her conscience. It's not going to happen. Okay. And uh, whatever. So she's out a bit of money. She still has money. She doesn't need. She doesn't need it. Yeah. And by contacting Alan and Zamora to let them know to let Zufar go. Well, I can't risk it. I would like to do that. That was my gut instinct to reach out to them. But I don't want anything to get back to me at this point. And I don't want them to get involved more than they have to. Because, you know, worst case scenario, I don't get in touch with them. They either won believe him and let him go or to they turn him over to the police for a reward of some type because they don't know how to turn him over to the enclave thankfully which will be good for them right yeah so at this point no one in the enclave as far as she is aware knows where those people are or even knows the information that they have exactly so she has that working for her which is nice <laughs> <laughs> That re realization kind of makes her feel a little more calm, that and she's 
halfway through her scotch, so the nerves are a little more under control at this point. And uh, now she just, uh, she's probably going to, uh, she would have a duffel bag in the office to transport medications that she gets from Emily. And then she's like, oh shit, Emily's with, with Evo. But that's a completely separate thing, so it strikes her mind, but she's not worried about it. Because they're so far distant, that should be irrelevant. So, she gets a duffel bag and she starts packing up the things that she thinks are important to get out of the office in case somebody is managing to, you know, get in. And, um, that's, uh, so that plan is set. Nancy will be able to protect me from people trying to find me. And so that's probably what she's going to discuss when Nancy comes okay. back. So, yeah. Nancy comes back. She says, I have successfully backed myself up in three different locations. I've given each of them a, uh, an activation timestamp, which are which one will be activated on the 21st of the month if I do not make contact back with it. The next one will con- we'll make activate on the 1st of next month. And the third one will activate on the 21st of the following month. And you'll be able to get in touch with me? I don't... Because I don't know where those are, and I don't want to know, just in case. If I'm not in touch with you, I will utilize those copies of myself, those agents, to do what needs to be done to keep myself secure. Okay. If I have not spoken with you in six months, I will look for a new residence. As the Matrix after that period of time, will have become hostile to my existence. Okay. AIs can only exist for a short period of time outside of a host. They need a place to live. AIs, ghosts, all those kind of things. They need a place to live. If they don't have that, the Matrix, God, will come down upon them and mm. destroy them. Yeah. Just like, like sprites. Yeah. She. Uh, so, Sunny says that, uh, you know, I need you to keep people from finding where I am or getting in contact with me for at least the next three weeks, three to six, I would say, at this point. So I have time to figure out what my next steps are going to be and who I feel like I can trust at this point. I understand, Doctor. I am going to leave you here. I'm not going to take you out of your, out of the host so I would suggest going into a full lockdown once I'm out and we can go through the the process of getting back in when we get to it is fine. But until then, you don't open up for anybody. I understand, Doctor. We have the code set up, right? Yes, Doctor. Okay, good. Then that's what we use to get back to normal. <laughs> of course. Okay. Your phone is more than prepared. Excellent. So I'll take it out. And she says, I have went ahead and examined the application. It does contact both your GPS location, everyone on your contact list. And I have went ahead and activated an agent to go through your contact list and to begin searching those comm links out to see if there's a program related to this program itself with the specific instructions that if it finds a link to the Enclave... In that contacts comm link, that it is to destroy that, cancel all its communication, and burn all data trails. I have generated six other agents for this purpose. 
They're currently going through your contact list as we speak. Thank you. Your contacts will be safe. They will have no idea this is happening. At most, it will say that there is an update going on. Okay. Good. Then uh, I've got everything that I need, I think, packed up. So, um, you'll be able to contact me now through my comm, right? Yes, Doctor. Okay, good. Because that's, that's the only way I want you to get in touch with me for the time being. Okay? Yes, Doctor. And, uh, you stay safe, okay? Of course, I will keep the doors locked. Good. And make sure you keep an eye out for anybody trying to get in through the, the Matrix. I will do that. Okay. I will also disrupt the police procedures in the local area so there is twice the number of patrols along the city block. Okay, that sounds amazing. Alright, then uh, I'm going to head out. Doctor? Yeah. You will be missed. Yeah, so will you. Please, if you need me, I am but a phone call away. I'll keep that in mind. And then I will, uh, yeah, I'll swing my duffel bag over the shoulder. I'm assuming that I have some books that are important to her um, and her practice and stuff. And then, you know, that she's going to take most, if not all, of the medication that she has stored up right now because, you know, she wants to make sure that that doesn't, you know, if somebody does come in and the worst happens, you know, Nancy's going to be fine eventually, but that's a really big stock of drugs and she doesn't want to start over. So she's taking it as or much as she can with you. On the streets. Exactly. So yeah. that's the plan. And so now she's going to uh, head back to her car and mm-hmm. drive back to Adrian, the, to the booksellers. Okay. There's two Adrians in this game. Yep. That's really funny. Adrian, the bookseller. There you go. Well, it's daytime, so that's nice. Yep. He's actually up. Okay. And I'm going to look at his books and pick a few out. Help him out a little bit for helping me. So, yeah. It doesn't, at this point, it doesn't really matter to her which ones she picks. She's just going to pick, pick, she's going to judge the books by their covers and just pick a few and, (laughs) you know, see what she finds in them. So, and then once she's done with that, she's going to head through the gauntlet again and with the shotgun. (laughs) Yeah. And just keep out of the way. She has her duffel bag with her because... That would be really bad to keep in the car, <laughs> just in case. What's well, your car? If it was Terrence's car, it would be a problem, because nobody's going to break the windows on that one. Your car windows can be broken. Exactly. So, taking it with me. Not going to take any chances. And then uh, go down there and see how uh, how uh, the patients are faring. Okay. By this time, um, Terrence is actually up and about. Yeah, he's... Physically up, even though he had a gashing wound in his back, he is up. Hobbling, but he's up and about. Lund is cognitive. Okay. And his throat doesn't have a hole in a straw sticking out of it. Good. So, yeah. Terrence and the doctor are sitting at a table eating Chinese. Yeah, I will walk in. I'll probably go over to the table, sling my bag off of uh, my shoulder, set it down, and... Terrence will take the shotgun from you and set it on on the table next to everybody so there's out of everybody's way for eating. Yeah, and I'm not gonna lie, she's probably sniffling a bit. She's she's visibly upset, but not 
tearful right now. Okay. Yeah. So, she doesn't... She just kind of stares kind of at Terrence, but not really at him. You know, kind of that... I guess it would be the thousand miles there, thousand yards there, whatever the fuck that the yeah, colloquialism th- is. Thousand yards there. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of like nod her head, like really softly. And she opens her mouth, but no words come out. He offers you an egg roll. She will take this egg roll okay. and eat it. Just stand there and little, eat little it. Little cups of tea. They're they're like having like an oriental style That's very- food. Lund is cognitive, and he's looking around, and the other doctor is running on the computer doing... Whatever it is, he does. <laughs> Dr. Feelgood looks at you and goes, Well, all of everything has come out rather well. Uh, both patients have recovered rather quickly as well. Your friend over there, giving a head gesture to Lund, has recovered nicely, and the cyberware that was implanted to replace that which was damaged has recuperated well. We did not replace the titanium tracheal implant because we don't have one. I had one, but it's only a voice box modulator, and I'm pretty sure he was not interested in one of those. So I didn't replace it. I did do a good bit of repair. He's currently got some uh, shark cartilage bones in his throat. They'll dissolve after a while and replace with normal human tissue. I put in some bioorganisms that will make that take place. Your friend here, and he pokes Terrence, does not have the lower plot ribs with his plastic lining. You will have to get that redone. Otherwise, they're just normal ribs once everything stops healing. And it'll take months before they're all healed. So he has to keep it as easy as possible. Okay. Everything on the inside was put back to where it was supposed to be and glued back together with some special glue and tape. That'll all dissolve after a while and things should get back to normal, but he's going to have to keep it easy. Unfortunately, some of the Bioware was not savable, and that's just how life is. That's what happens when you chunk yourself full of the many extra things that you don't need. And slim down to something a little bit more reasonable. He's making hand gestures <laughs> toward his own body. <laughs> and he sits there and says, uh, I would suggest that you do see a, uh, a good doctor about your tank. It took an incredible fit. I would not trust it for a refill anytime soon. In fact, I would have it removed or replaced or whatever it is that you want to do, but it is definitely damaged. The rest of you, just fine. You did take some nasty concussions to the head, though, but the trauma will go down and so will the inflammation. There are some pills here for that, pills for infection, pills for this, some other pills. You know, he just lists off a nice little collection. I would take at least one of these, two of these. Oh, Mark, just take a nice cocktail. Do not have any alcohol. And get rest. Lots of rest. Go someplace nice, quiet, and away from all these troubles you get yourself into. Your friend over here, on the other hand, has a nice cocktail of drugs he's going to have to be dealing with as well. And he goes through a short list and says... His infection would be probably the most severe since it's probably going to be on his nervous system. So I've got him on some pretty heavy sedation. Though I've got his reef, his uh, sensory inputs ramped all the way up to counteract the whole effect of it. He will be a bit edgy, so I've given him some suppressants to keep him from becoming too over-anxiety. He needs to take it easy. After about a first month of recuperation, he can cut back on some of the drugs. I've got it all written out. Everything should be just fine. 
Now for the final bit. The bill. The bill. He hands you a folded piece of paper. <laughs> I will open it. As you go to open it, Terrence reaches out and grabs it. I think I should take care of this. Yeah? I mean, it is... It, it is me. I mean, I don't want to pay for his, but I don't have too much option on it. And uh, the doctor says, I can make him pay through servitude. And Terrence says, no, no, he, he can't be hanging around for too much longer. So, yeah, she'll let go of the, of the bill. All right, well, as he pulls it toward, you can see it flops open. and There's at least six-digit number there as Terrence pulls it away. Yeah. <laughs> the first number was a two and then six digits, so, I mean... Okay, so... Yeah. 200,000 something. Yeah, at least a quarter of a million in there, it looked like. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of work. So I'm not surprised, especially for a street doc to go yeah. through that kind of operation. Yep. They don't do that normally. They don't have the facilities to do that. They yeah. don't have the cyberware to do that. They don't have the crazy henchmen to assist. <laughs> the drugs are free, by the way. He says that. The drugs are free. If you need a refill, just call. I refill all that you'll need. Okay. Um, do you remember what he said that he wanted Pillwise for her to find? I don't remember. Nope. Well, whatever it is. Yeah, she's going to pick up her bag and put it on the table. Hopefully clear of the food. And open it and find those, like, most. I would say most of her stock of that. And uh, take it out and put it on the table. Okay, he rises, yeah. raises a, an eyebrow. You you asked for those. I did. You can take those too. Ah, good. Thank you. Thank you. This is... You do great work. I really appreciate that. I don't get much opportunity to do any really in-depth, detailed work anymore. Especially when I know they can actually get paid. Most of the time... They don't pay and they expire, and so I just get a lump sum of extra material laying around. That's where your spare parts come from there, big guy. Yelling over at Lund. <laughs> Lund still has no clue. He's not aware. Okay. So, um, when will he be ready to go? I'm nodding my head towards Lund. Well, they're both ready now. Okay. They both can walk. Then I'll look at Terrence and like, are, are you ready? He nods, yeah. We're gonna have I feel to... like shit. Okay. Can I drive, Doc? He's like, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would not. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't do any heavy lifting, drive machinery of any type, shoot a gun, fly a plane. Don't run with the bulls. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, yeah, I think that we're gonna get lined up and. Okay. You get lined up, up and start gathering stuff. He's looking at his gear that he still has left as you guys. They're both lethargic giant yeah. dummies at this point I will, in time. I will make sure to separate out their medications and okay. put the instructions in with them. And then, uh, yeah, put that all in my duffel bag too. So that way it's all labeled. All they have to do is follow the instructions. Yeah. The doctor sits there and says, well, it's been swell, but the swelling's gone down now, so you can go home. We're heading out. Okay. You get to the door, and as you guys begin wandering out, the doctor sits there and says, have fun storming the castle. 
I have no idea. Yep, I'm just gonna let that slide and go through the gauntlet and get out of here. Yeah, the gauntlet makes way because you're coming back through and with a troll and shotgun and you guys go back up and as you get through the bookstore and Adrian wishes you guys well. You get out and he's like, you drove your car? Yeah, I drove my car. So tiny. Your car has tracking devices on it. My car I can fit into. Well, you can squeeze into this one. <sighs> he's like, I have to get in the back seat. I have to lay out. Okay, that's fine. So we'll put London front and scoot the chair, scoot the seats all the way up. So yeah. he has some room to lay down. And, uh, yeah. And drive back to the brownstone. Okay, as you guys are heading out, Terrence says, we need to make a decision on what we do about him. There is no decision. Where do we take him? We find a place for him. And then he gets out. Then I have a plan. I had a chance to think about this. You got a man that you know that can drive. We get him down to Portland. That'll get him out of the city, out of the area. Lund, you got money? Kind of half nods. You got your cred stick still on you. I saw you had some money. So you got some money. We get you to Portland. You can get the hell out of Dodge, right? Lund, hesitant to the Dodge. You let me go. We don't have a choice. We have to. We need to. Okay, okay. We're going to take you to a place. Do you remember that apartment complex that we stayed at? Yeah. Yeah, there's another room down there. we okay. got to go drop him off there. You can get your guy gears to swing by and pick him up and take him down to Portland. What do you think? That means we have to use the app to put down the apartment. Never mind. We'll just get a hotel room. We're going to go down to Tacoma, we're going to find you a hotel, and we're going to give an address to a friend of ours who drives, and he's going to take you to Portland, and then that's it. We're done. You go your way, Lund, we go our way, and we never see each other, and you don't come back to Seattle. Lund just nods. I can do that. Then it's settled. So, yeah, we're going to go around and uh, go to Tacoma, find a place, drop Lund off, and then... Head back to the brownstone. Okay. Yep. Probably not a lot of conversation going on in that car. It's going to be quiet. (laughs) No. The silence is uh, intense. Yeah. So. Because less than 24 hours ago, Lund and Trollface were trying to kill each other. Yep. Now they both look like a bunch of bandaged up mummies. (laughs) And I'm exhausted. There's just... Overwhelmed, yeah. So as you, after dropping Lund off and you guys start driving, Terrence says, did you get a chance to look at it? I did. Okay. It's uh, it's just like you said. Damn it. I'm gonna punch something now. Well, please don't. Um, My windows are breakable. I just had to replace the back windshield. <laughs> I got a place that's out of the way. It's not on the uh, Enclave's list. It's my old house where me and the ex and the kids used to live. I think it'll do us good. Okay. Did you get a hold of Edgy? Yeah. Okay, good. He should be at the Brownstone if his mom got a hold of him. Helping Adrian pack. Everything should be ready when we get there. Nancy says that the app 
sends back data to keep tabs on people who've got the downloaded app and everyone on their contact list. So everyone on my contact list is uh... is compromised. You need a new you need a new com. I didn't I should have taken yours with me. I could have wiped it with mine. I wasn't thinking. That's fine. You get Zoe to do all that? No. I got Nancy to do it. Zoe's compromised too. I'm not I can't I would like to trust them, but there's only one person I trust right now. And one almost person, so Yeah. Alright, well let's let's get out to the I sent them after out here. So, and Alan, I sent them after that man, and they're good enough to find him. I don't know what they're going to decide to do when they can't get a hold of me. There's nothing you can do. Whatever happens, happens. We gotta, we gotta cover our asses. The corporations will not... They work really hard to make our lives miserable if they knew what we knew. We've just got to walk away, come back with a clear mind, and just get away from the Enclave. That's it. Come back and get ready. I'm, I can imagine trying to dismantle it later. But right now, our safety is more important. We've got to sit on Adrian. Make sure he's safe. Yeah. We've got more important things to deal with. We've got to make sure you and I are safe. We'll come back to this. We need some downtime. Yeah. Arriving at the Brownstone, Edgy is there. Awesome. His beat up little van thing. Yeah. So he is really like taken back when he sees troll faces messed up. Yeah. He's like, dude, you need to sit. Can I help you? And he's like, very. You can see it. It bothers Edgy a lot. Troll face just brushes him off. It's fine. It's fine. Adrian, on the other hand, definitely is. You know, he's also in the same boat. He's like, are you okay? You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and when he says that he's fine, it's like, no, he's not. He's not fine. Don't. Just don't. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys work to pack everything up. Edgy says, so where are you guys going? And Terrence says, we're going to go take a vacation. I can't tell you where we're going. And he goes, oh, that means I can't go. He's like, yeah, that means you can't go. But that doesn't mean we're not going to come back. Well, can I call you? No. You can't call. We're on vacation. <laughs> what about work? He's like, well, you're just going to have to find something to make the bills last. How long is this going to be? He's like, I don't know. Six, seven months. Maybe. Shit's got to happen, man. And he's like, man, I actually have to get a job. <laughs> You can't do this to me, big guy. I need I need work. He's like, look, I'll pay you for helping us move, packing everything up. I'll give you a little something to, to tide yourself over. But it's going to be at least six months. I got no work. Look at me. I'm messed up. You can't do anything this way. You know that. Go get a contracting job. Work for a construction site or something. You're a really good electrician. Trollface looks at you and goes... He hates taking orders from people. I'm the only one he's ever been able to put up with. <laughs> Edgy's bothered by this fact. Poor little guy. He's losing his boss. Yeah. 
And if, he's losing and, a friend. Yeah, that's true that's, too. His that's friend, what he's. He sees it as. Yeah, he's trying to just cover it up with the work part. The work part. Yeah. So, after everything's said and done, you guys are packing up the brownstone, getting everything put into uh, your car, not Terrence's car. That car's staying there. Uh, yep, he's going to park in the garage. He comes down with a briefcase and hands it to Edge. He says, "Here you go, payment." Use that money as best you can. Make sure it doesn't run out on you anytime quickly. Take care of your mother. Do what's right. Edgy then sits down, starts opening it, and it's filled with bills. It's a travel briefcase, just chock full of 50s. It's a shit ton of money. Yeah. Edgy's like, this is your get out of town money. He's like, yeah, was. I don't need it. I already took out what I need. The rest of it you can use. I'll expect that if you haven't spent it all, I'll be taking it all back. Or whatever's not been spent. And you know, Yeji's mind's trying to be how do I spend this much money? <laughs> Meanwhile, in Vegas, woo! Yeah, right? <laughs> Midget dwarf porn everywhere. Actually, no, he probably does pull out a briefcase. Instead of giving the whole briefcase, he probably pulls like, like four or five stacks of 50s and 100s and throws it at him. Well, not throws. No, it hands it to him. Yeah. Here. Maybe money. has it has like a like a like a plastic bag. Ooh, no, a brown paper bag, a lunch sack. Yeah. Yeah. Puts it in that and then yep. hands it over. You guys pile into your little car and start driving off. <sighs> he takes your phone and you'll program in the address. What are you doing? <laughs> well, I'm, t- I'm showing, telling you how to get where we're going. Just tell me. Don't don't put it in the phone. Phones can be hacked or oh, whatever. Yeah. So he, he tells you how to get into southern part of Auburn. Okay. And it, you drive into some really suburbia-looking places. Nice hedges and well-manicured houses. And then you drive by some really big houses and stuff like and that. And, and fancy ho- BMWs out front of it. Yeah, you know? and then the houses get less and less close together. <laughs> Farther apart and yeah. get bigger. Yeah. And then at some point you come around the corner to this... Was it what a red cedar looking house? Yeah, yeah. A red cedar looking house with a big hedge around it. Mm hmm. You pull up to it, and it's got a nice little area that ramps down to the side of a lake. And it looks like a boathouse, and it's not a tiny little house. Yeah. He walks up, fiddles with some keys, turns the lock, got it, and pops it open. Okay. Um,. So yeah, we'll we'll head in. Uh, Picture frames on the walls, decorations here and there. Every bit of furniture is covered with sheets, linen. Okay. This is your house? Yeah. It's very different than what I expected. What were you expecting? Well, uh, not this. Adrian, you can have this room over there. You got That's your bathroom right there, and that's your walk-in closet. We can take the master bedroom over here, unless you really don't want to sleep in the same room with me. I mean, I, which I understand. <laughs> he walks over and 
This that goes down to the game room and the lower deck. This is the upper deck. Uh, don't use the hot tub until I get a chance to make sure it's good, because you know it hasn't been running a while, like a couple of years. It's probably busted up. And uh, don't get all excited about the boat. The boat didn't work when we left here. I'm pretty sure it doesn't work now. Adrian's like, "There's a boat." <laughs> he rushes out <laughs> into the back. There's a hill. There's place. You know, so he's looking around. This is like his first experience of wilderness, uh, yeah. open air, and trees. And then a boat goes zipping by, a bunch of people on it. Seem to be having a pretty good time. And then you realize, it's not raining here. What? <laughs> it's actually kind of peaceful. It's like the first time sun's out. It's late in the day. A little bit of clouds. Okay. She steps out on the deck and looks up. And realizes that she's not being rained on. She's gonna look, then she'll look back at, at Terrence and it's not raining. He stops, looks at the door. I'll be damned. Huh. There's no food in the kitchen, so uh best thing we can do is just have something delivered. But there's a grocery store right in town, not too far up the road. I can show you some of the local digs. We should probably go sh grocery shopping and not have anybody come to the house yet. Yeah. Oh, hey, if I still have the same neighbors, they're probably going to be around sometime tomorrow to say hello. Very, very annoying. Well, but you know what? They, they're, 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 at least they're good. It's very neighborly. Yeah. Hey, keep an eye on Adrian. I'm going to check the rest of the house, make sure everything looks good. Okay. You see, he's like... There's a boathouse down here. He's already <laughs> run down the hill. You know, and he's like opening the door and looking in. Nice. And he's active doing stuff with the boathouse. The sun is wonderfully setting soon. And Terrence is in the house. And as you look, you can see from where you're at on the lake, the sun is kind of coming around the corner of the trees and whatnot. And it casts this beautiful light across the porch. And as you look to the other end of the porch... There's a very large raven sitting there. It crows once. Do I end? Because didn't we have to like learn the same language, essentially? Yep. So you know it can speak to you if yeah. it's him. Yeah. So, I mean, I probably at this point, I'm just going to greet him. You know, like, oh, Oh, hey. Nice to see you. He stares at you. You know, fine. Don't say anything. He doesn't say anything. Yeah. Did you know there's a game room in this house? Kind of looks at the house. Yeah. Might be fun. I don't know. Makes a calling noise. Starts to fly off. No, it will fly off. Yeah. Flies into one of the nearby big trees. I guess. Whatever. It's fine. Adrian comes out. There's a chainsaw in here. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah. So Terrence is busy with uh, checking the house out. So I guess I'll go down with Adrian and, and check out the boathouse. It's the a boathouse with a chainsaw. launch and a chainsaw and a whole bunch of stuff on it. Wow. Your character's tired by now. 
Very tired. I mean, she did sleep in her little coffin thing, but that's not really enough. <laughs> Heading back to the house, you guys head up the road. There's a tiny little grocery store. It's like mom and pop style grocery store. Not a single sticker for some sort it's of mega even, corporation. It's not even a stuffer shack. It's, it's actual not even a stuffer shack. Oh my shack. gosh. There is, you know, even Mountain Dews and stuff like that. You find name brand stuff. You also find non-name brand stuff like local locals who bring in eggs and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's definitely out of the norm. And it looks like it's just a big, long warehouse that's been turned into nice. a store with laminated floors. They have a cash register that they go... And then you have to swipe your card and punch in buttons and wait for it to load. Yeah, like you have to like hold your com up to the phone, yeah, and for, wait. Uh, up to the, the the icon for a long time, for <laughs> or a long time for her for her. The the whole thing right now, the drive, the location, the other houses, the house that Terrence has, and this grocery store that is unlike anything she's seen in a very long time. So it's it's a very surreal experience. She's her mind is kind of disconnected from the rest of her body. She's just moving and following and picking stuff up. She's trying to make sense of everything, but she can't. She's too tired. May and she's like so she just Follows along at this point. <laughs> yeah. So you will get back. And as Terrence pulls out stuff in the kitchen and starts cooking and whatnot, Adrian is bopping all over the place. He comes in and goes, there's a bird, a really huge black bird in that tree out there. There's a nest and everything. It's really cool. I've never seen a bird like that. Of course, saying that Terrence gives you looks like, yeah? Yeah. I don't know if it's that one, but... Adrian's like, which one? <laughs> he was there. Oh, no, no, that's right. He yeah. was there. He's like, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye out. You eat uh, stir-fry. Homemade stir-fry. And it's actually pretty good. And then there's dishes that Adrian has to wash. I would, re uh, I would appreciate it more, but I'm mechanically... Four, you know, like chopsticks in my mouth. Chew, swallow, chopsticks in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah. yeah you're like, this is this is really good. And then as the day winds down to an end, you go into the master bedroom and clean up. The bed's been, you guys have taken a chance and cleaned up the bed and put some clean sheets on it and stuff. It's king size. The king size bed still has at least a good two meters on either side of it to other parts of the room. It's not. This room is big. The ceiling is nice, and there's a bathroom and walk-in closet. This was a nice house. He must have made some good money when he was married. Yeah. So he helps. He, he's going to crawl into bed as best as he can at this point, as he's exhausted. Yeah. So I think that's a, a, an excellent plan. In real life and in the game. <laughs> uh. And with that, we come to a close. 
with Sunny's side story. Excellent. To karma. To karma! All right. Well, it's been fun. Um, we should totally do this again sometime. In about six months of downtime. Yeah, right? Good night. Thanks for listening to the original Box Set Shadowrun podcast. Our runners will pick up where we left off next week. In the meantime, you can connect with us via Facebook or YouTube to check out actual play videos of the original box set playing Shadowrun and other tabletop RPGs. You can also swing by our website at originalboxset.com and check out our gaming calendar, additional information about our games, and images that inspire our worlds and characters. And if you're enjoying our work, please consider becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash originalboxset so that we can continue to bring you this podcast as well as other great actual plays and entertainment. Today's featured music is titled Epic Song from Alpha Brutal, and trust me, the whole song is pretty epic, so check it out. We'll catch you next week, chummers. And now for all this legal dreck. Original box set is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial 4.0 International License. You can share us, but please give us credit. The Tops Company, Inc. has sole ownership over the names, logo, artwork, marks, photographs, sounds, audio, video, and or any proprietary material used in connection with the game Shadowrun. The Tops Company, Inc. has granted permission to Original Box Set, that's us, to use such names, logos, artwork, marks, and or any proprietary materials for promotional and informational purposes on its website, but does not endorse and is not affiliated with Original Box Set in any official capacity whatsoever. Oh my goodness, that's so much. Okay, bye.